live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Trying to just grab all the bags, as the kids say. Is that how they say it? I don't know. Whatever. No, stop with the... Where was the question? <laughs> you gonna kill me over some pizza? Yes. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Thursday show on the road. Silver 7s is the spot. Big show on the way. Xavier Pope, our legal analyst, is up in about 25 minutes. Dustin DeHart will be in as well. Curtis Terry joining us for an hour later in the show, the former UNLV Rebel. Two games tonight in preseason football. I think I know the schedule, so we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Busy day. I know Adam Hill has been slammed all day. He covered the Raiders in the morning. I was around UNLV in the morning, so we've got a lot of football to get into in the latest as the regular season is inching closer, and it's coming fast. Real fast. Like, what, 32 days till the Raiders play, I think I saw today? 22 for uh, UNLV. Wow. Right, up, right around the corner. Yeah. Three weeks away. 21, I think. All right, let's do it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. All right, we start off with a little uh, UNLV football coming out. You know they had a closed scrimmage yesterday. Sure. So closed. You, you, didn't get a whole lot of updates. Yeah, you can't get a whole lot of information. We got some pictures. So it appeared to be uh, a situation yesterday where there was a defensive touchdown because Jacoby Windman, who's now a linebacker down from the defensive line, was celebrating, running into the end zone. So that was like one of the clues. Funny thing is one of the other clues uh, we got uh, we never even asked about today. We actually totally forgot. We'll have to follow up on that story. They actually gave a scholarship. This one's a weird one because uh, Daniel Gutierrez took over the kicking duties, and he actually was not on scholarship. So I guess they uh, they rolled it out on the uh, big board at Allegiant, and he was told that he got a scholarship. So UNLV stuff's coming up here in about three minutes. First thing in order, though, very interesting here. The Cubs got rid of Jake Arietta. He's been terrible. So it shouldn't be a shock. It's a second go-around. Frankly, something changed recently in his career where you remember he had the career resurgence. Like he never really realized his potential in Baltimore. Then he goes to the Cubs, and he's part of a championship team. And it's like, hey, wow, this guy's really good. Signs a deal in Philly for pretty big money, and then he starts to drop off. Something changed. I'm not sure what changed, but something, something changed. You know, fast rise, and then all of a sudden, oh, that was gone. But he's gone. He was throwing this year to a 6-8-8. Uh, ERA, and then there was this weird thing yesterday as a reporter tries to ask him a question about, uh, you know, the difficulties of, uh, you know, not pitching well, and he throws out this weird line. How difficult is that when you're going through these tough times and you continue to, to give to other people? How hard is it? It's not hard, Bruce, uh, and I'd love you to take your mask off. I don't think anybody's around you. Chicago 6-7 to the score. Good for Bruce. Good for Bruce wearing his mask post-game, asking a fair, legitimate question of Jake Arrieta. And shame on Arrieta for being a surly, selfish, science-denying tool. That was uncalled for, unprofessional, and ridiculous. Wow, all of that off uh, just being a smart aleck and asking a guy to take his mask off? It's been a running theme with Jake Arrieta for much of the year. Uh, Anti-vaxxer, anti-masker, and... Again, it, become, it becomes, you know, 
really easy, I think, to part ways with somebody, not for being like this, but for, uh, you know, for, for expressing these things and not playing well. When you have that combination going, it makes it real easy for a team. So I think NFL players, we've kind of seen the same thing. Like, yeah, if you're a star player and you're, and you're spouting off nonsense, you're probably going to be okay. But if you're an end-of-the-roster guy, if you're you know barely going to make the team or maybe you're tied for making the team, probably not the best kind of views to express. That said, I, that might have been the final straw, but sure. I think, I mean, this is this was a long time coming on a team that's going younger and tanking and trying to get you know new players in there. When you're throwing to a near 70 RA, what's the point? Yeah, and I think I think that's that's it. It's if he was 70 RA and not saying stupid things, be like, ah, but now you're you're 70 RA and you're saying stupid things. It made it real easy today to be like, all right, that was that was the last straw. Uh, you're not only not helping us on the field. You're making us look dumb, and it's not a political view. This is why on earth, why on earth? And again, when I first heard it, I was like, maybe there's an out. Maybe there's an out when I can hear it, when I can listen to the clip. Maybe you can't hear the question. Maybe it's muffled. Maybe it's, it's you know, it's it's difficult to hear. And in that case, okay, I can say like, hey man, like, I, you know, I, I'm just trying to hear your question. I'm trying to understand it. I can't hear you through the mask, and you know, I I don't know what your situation is. I think it's Zoom, so you know. I don't know who's around you because, by the way, it might look like media people aren't around anybody, but we're all usually sitting in the press box all next to each other with our Zooms going, and it looks like nobody's around. Um, so, like, that that's where it became, like, kind of silly of you don't know who's around him, and you can hear him perfectly. Why do you care? Scrimmage yesterday. UNLV football gets to go out uh, to the Owl. Uh, Marcus Arroyo talked about it this morning, gave his general feelings on the scrimmage. Oh, it was great to get into a Legion, practice eight for us, uh, first day in full pads. Got a chance to get some live situations, some scrimmage situations, and for, for any time for you know for our, our first training camp for us to get those 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 opportunities are really, really big. So we tried to really get um, as many as we could. We got about 100 reps each side of the ball. Each side of the ball, ones and twos, got about 50 reps each, which was really balanced. Got a bunch of special teams plays and uh, got a real chance to see some guys and coach some it's close to real football in some situations with settings and refs and stuff that we could. Uh, a lot of stuff to clean up, some really some really good stuff, some things we got to get better at. Practice nine today was good. Came back out, and guys had good juice, and uh, took the pads off and got in spiders and flew around. Yeah, not easy when you're in the climate-controlled Al, and then all of a sudden the next day. And today was nice. Yesterday, yeah. uh, last couple of days were pretty – I mean, nice relative to what sure. Vegas can be. I'll tell you, by 10.30 – you know, it was. It might have been 94, but the sun was was blaring down pretty good. First thing in the morning, like I don't know that'd be all jacked up. You know, 10 days into camp to be all super energetic after I was in the palace yesterday. Yeah, it's not. It's not easy. It, it's difficult. We've seen it with the Raiders, and you know, yesterday they again. I'll be careful because Gruden lectured us yesterday. Today they didn't take the day off. They didn't take the practice field yesterday. Right. right. Mostly to manage against these these same sorts of things. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's difficult that when it starts to become a grind, it's a grind quicker in this weather than it would be in normal weather. It sounded like the UNLV defense was ahead of the offense in the first half, uh, according to you know some of the reports we got. Also, we talked to Charles Williams, who said, "Hey, we came out better in the second half." But uh, here was Arroyo on what uh, made him most happy about the defense. They took the ball away, and that's a huge, huge element. And uh, offensively, we wanted to keep care of it, but they're on our team too, so. They got a, they've, they've, they've made an emphasis. It's a huge emphasis for, for us and uh, analytically for winning football games, and it's not a secret. So 
um, taking the ball away. They did a really nice job. You know, they did a really nice job communicating, and that's what you want from your defense as it grows, trying to build and, and then continue that. We got some new guys in new positions, you know, and so to see you guys when it's unscripted out there in the moment, uh, gel and communicate's really healthy. Simple stuff, right? You got to get some takeaways, and you and all these defense recently has not been a great takeaway defense. Now they've made some changes in terms of personnel. And the reason they were able to do that is they brought in some more talent. So last year, the two best players on the defense were the ends. It was Jacoby Winman and Adam Plant. Plant's a local kid. He's a transfer from TCU. Walks into the Mountain West, and he's good. I mean, he's 6'5", 255. He looks the part. Winman's a small guy. He's an undersized guy for defensive line. So now what's happened is they brought in uh, an Arizona transfer in Kylan Wilborn, uh, Wilborn, who's a legit you know, 240, 250-pounder who can play defensive end. So now Winman at 220 can move back, right? So now he's playing in the linebacker group, and now he's the leader of the defense, and he talked about Winman and his maturation. It's unselfish. He's convicted, you know, his alignment, his assignment, his technique, his effort. I mean, all the things, all the things that aren't sexy, he gets right, and, and that's, that's, that's winning football. So the basic stuff, right? Winning football, but you got to get it done, and they've had some issues at linebacker where some of that basic stuff wasn't getting done. Now, we said defense ahead of the offense. We're talking UNLV. Marcus Arroyo spoke this morning. Uh, that was a close scrimmage yesterday. Uh, this is what he told the offense, which is still you know, kind of trying to find its footing. I think they've got a lot of talent at wide receiver. I think they're going to be a good offensive line. We'll get into that probably more tomorrow. Got running backs and Charles Williams, but the quarterback question has not been answered. So what was the message to the offense? It's to keep working together, to keep finding ways to understand that you got to have you know, one play life expectancy and getting out of some things that maybe not go your way. Got to celebrate together, communicate. We're rolling quarterbacks in and out. We want some freshmen in there. We want some young guys. And I want those guys to make sure that their voice is heard too, you know, and shrinking that gap between the most experienced and least experienced guys and, and continue to gel and work together and communicate and be, be dialed into the situations. That's the big thing too on offense is to know what the situations were and to make sure, you know, get, you got to coach some young guys in practice right now about being dialed in for on-field promotions, which happen in a game, you know, an injury or a substitution or a sudden change and guys being dialed in, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, in practice. Yeah, they're retooling the team, so that means young guys like better be f- focused on the sideline because you could go in at any moment. Yeah, for, I mean that's what that's what you need to do, especially in a college program with so many players and so many guys that are close to each other and so many guys that are you know one snap away from getting an opportunity. Uh, yeah, always having, always being ready and having uh, every you know every spot on the depth chart preparing as if they're going to play and be the starter. Coming back, let's get some reaction on the weird Cowboys tweet yesterday about Dak. Also, the preseason schedule tonight. And as Adam said, the Raiders actually did practice today. Yesterday, they were not on the field, so let's say it better. They actually hit the field today to practice. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. So as predicted, Adam, the uh, tweet the Cowboys sent out yesterday, like, nothing to see here, but Dak Prescott's getting another MRI has freaked people out. I still don't understand the tweet. I don't understand why they did it that way. It doesn't make any sense. I, I mean, they... You know, no, no need to panic. No no worries. He's just getting an MRI. Well, okay, how about just say he's getting an MRI or don't say anything? How come 
it feels like 95% of the teams won't tell us anything. Like, we're used to it. You don't have to tell us. Yeah. You could have yeah. just gone and gotten the MRI, and we, we didn't know about the second surgery on Dak Prescott yeah. until we saw it on uh, Hard Knocks. Yeah, he dropped it in. I didn't. Maybe I missed it along the way, but it's just they're, it's just weird, man. And maybe maybe is this all a work? Is it just Dak and the Cowboys and HBO are like, let's get everyone all fired up. Let's get Jerry Jones to try to talk the trainer into letting him throw. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a focal do, point of the, of the show, so it's just a work to get ratings? No. No. I think only the Cowboys would do that. Possibly, but I don't understand what good that does for them. Like, if they really weren't, like, Dak Prescott really wasn't throwing at practice. So the problem that you have with that, and it's the same, you know, people ask me about the Raiders when, hey, you were around training camp every day. How real was it? I mean, you can't just say he's not practicing and then he practices. People would see that. So he really wasn't practicing. So, like, you, you can't make that part of it up or else you're just, like, you're not practicing him just for everybody's benefit and he's really fine. That doesn't make sense either, though. Uh, I don't understand. I don't understand the tweet. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't understand Jerry Jones trying to talk the trainer and letting him throw through injury. I don't understand any of it. And, by the way, they don't understand any of it. So, like, if, if you're out there saying, like, how do they not know? Why is it so vague? Again, watch the show. He has a baseball injury. He has an injury that quarterbacks don't usually get, and the football trainers are looking at it like, this is not a football injury. Let's talk to some baseball people and see what they have to say, but we don't deal with this. So they're trying to figure this out. Raiders having some issue at quarterback. Uh, one, it appear is Carr playing on Saturday. Mariota may not be able to play because of an injury, or at least leg soreness. Is that what it's being called? Get used to Case Cookus. Well, you pointed this out yesterday. You said, you know, bringing in a, a fourth quarterback kind of late in the game would suggest that something was up for this first preseason game. And it's Mariota. I mean, I, I assume that they wanted to play Mariota a lot, uh, and they're not going to now. It looks like he's not going to play at all. We are. We were already almost positive Carr wasn't playing. So you're going to have a lot of Nathan Peterman, but he also needs a backup. What if he gets hurt? You're not going to throw Carr out there in, like, the fourth quarter. So you need to have another guy. I would assume Peterman plays the majority of the game, the vast majority of the game, and Cookus is there in case they need somebody else. But it sounds like Marcus Mariota got hurt uh, one of the last plays of, of Sunday's practice at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, he, he, he It was a keeper. He read it on his own read. Uh, ran for a touchdown. But apparently at the end, nobody really saw it because it was like one of the last plays. Apparently he was hurt, and then that is what led to a lot of the inaccurate throwing on Tuesday. Mm. Uh, where you know we, we kind of reported how many interceptions he had, and he just didn't have a good practice. And John Gruden said today, well, that's because he was hurt from Sunday, and I guess we now know why Case Cookus is there. How do you see all this stuff? I, I heard the uh, the Texans are in regular season mode with their media. They can't even watch practice. Well, that got shot down quickly. <laughs> you want to explain this one? What an amateur move, and it's very Patriots-like because that's where the GM came from sure. in Nick Casario, but you have zero equity. And there are league rules, but, yeah, the Texans basically tried to close down practice the rest of the preseason. They're like, yeah, regular season schedule now. And the NFL was like, no, no. So just so people know, in training camp, which is where the teams are now, and every team's training camp goes the same amount of time, during training camp, media can be there for the entire practice. As long as as the players are on the field, we're on the field. And – that's how it operates. Now, you can't report on things like formation, trick plays, 
guys playing in different spots, like those sort of things you can't you can't talk about, but you can be out there and, and view them. And then when it gets regular season time, most teams around the NFL, Raiders included, will go down to somewhat like UNLV is doing right now, where you get to watch the stretch period at the beginning and the individual drills. Like as you go, like the defensive linemen are you know doing their pass rush drills. And then once they start doing team practice, you're out because you're doing game plan specific stuff. You don't want people to report on exactly what you're doing, that sort of thing. So during the regular season, media is only out there for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, really. Uh, maybe a little more, maybe 30 sometimes, but a very short period of time. And then the rest of practice is closed. So what the Texans did yesterday was inform their media that they are ending training camp early and they are now prepping for the regular season. Now, what that means is you can only watch like the first 15 minutes of practice and then you got to get out because we're in regular season mode, not training camp mode. And the NFL immediately said, uh, no, it doesn't work that way. You don't get to decide training camp is over. Training camp is over when training camp is over for everyone. And obviously what the Texans were doing was they are sick of the constant, you're not even watching practice, you're just watching what Deshaun Watson is doing. (laughs) That's all you're doing every day. You're watching him stretch. You're watching him play safety sometimes, watching him stand on the field, reporting because he's been leaving after the fifth period. They usually have like 12 periods. Leaving after the fifth period every day. Like that's all you're doing. You're not You're not really watching practice. But in the end, like some people are watching practice. I've seen a lot of practice reports. But, of course, they're obviously keeping an eye also right. on what's going on with Deshaun Watson. Just like, you know, when God, there's been some things happen at Raiders practice the last few days. They brought Darren Waller out to do individual work a couple days ago. And I think they they didn't realize, like, oh, media's here. But we were all, of course, focused on Darren Waller on the far field doing going through his workout instead of watching practice at that time. Um, there, there was a moment where everybody's attention was turned to the parking lot for some reason. Uh, somebody had pulled into the parking lot while practice was going on. Everybody kind of looked over that way. Uh, like, <laughs> those things happen at, at training camp. Uh, but, yeah, they wanted to eliminate that. They said, okay, you're done. No more watching practice. And the league said, no, you can't do that. Up next, we're going to talk to Xavier Pope, get his reaction on Deshaun Watson, who did get, uh, I think, a little bit salty with a couple of the people who were videoing him going off the field. We want all the smoke. Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 and let us have it. I wouldn't want, I said it was a personal preference, and I wouldn't want him to be my head coach. That have not had the yeah. perfect ideal physique, including yeah. my college coach, mm. so I don't think that's a fair mm. shot. Okay. And I'm allowed Next. to have an opinion, yep. Skip. I am allowed mm-hmm. to say whatever oh, I want sure. to say on this show, oh, as you do too. Guy. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Yeah, it's funny. What a big deal is being made of that clash between uh, Jenny Taft and Skip Ellis. Um, you and I yell at each other all the time and are dismissive and condescending to each other all the time. But while both of us maybe hate it a bit, you more than me, everyone seems to dislike Skip Bayless. So someone getting on Skip Bayless is really fan the flames of the dislike. So people are very happy with what happened uh, in that exchange. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes. Xavier Pope is with us, our legal insider, cultural analyst out of Chicago. Xavier, what's going on, buddy? What's up, guys? How's it going? Uh, it's going real well. I want to get into that Skip Bayless thing because there's some uh, you know deeper topics in there. But first, we were just talking about Deshaun Watson 
seeming to get a little bit annoyed that, you know, the media is videoing him constantly, you know, walking off the field, walking on the field. Do we need to back off or, hey, th- this is the story that this guy's simply at practice is kind of amazing with what he's facing? If you were one of the stars of the league facing 22 sexual assault, sexual misconduct allegations with, with the most powerful sports league in the world investigating you and you in the media making, looking at your every move while you're sitting there on fourth on the depth chart while you're asking to be traded, then you'd be upset about the media constantly following you too. Um, as, as we back off of Deshaun Watson, I mean, he still gets the opportunity to do one of the jobs that only few people in the world get to do, which is quarterback in the National Football League. And so um, until this situation is resolved, until there's a definitive outcome in his favor or against his favor, where it's while it's still in doubt, Deshaun Watson is going to be followed by the media um, incessantly whether he likes it or not. He has signed up for that being a quarterback in the National Football League, and he certain, certainly signed up for it in massage parlors when he got his hands a little bit dirtier than he should have. Xavier Pope is with us. All right, let's get into that exchange yesterday on TV. It was kind of interesting, and, uh, you know, without giving any qualifiers or anything, what did you think of Skip Bayless potentially fat-shaming Mike McCarthy and then co-host lead on the show, Jenny Taft, uh, defended uh, those of us fatsos who coach? It has nothing to do with Mike McCarthy in so much as there's a basic analysis about various sports topics that happen on hot take shows. Mike McCarthy, whether we're talking about Andy Reid, whether we're talking about Bill Belichick, the relative health uh, girth, uh, the rotundness of these coaches, it just would be a basic topic that would go back and forth. The issue is Jenny Taft was not allowed to offer that argument as a counter in terms of the, the conversation that he and Shannon would have. Oh, only the guys get to debate the sports topic. Woman, you're just here as the referee. Shut up. Your voice doesn't matter. That was the problem. And so she spoke from her reference, personal reference, having a college coach wasn't the perfect figure, blind, Size six, you know. So he she addressed it in multiple ways, and Skip handled it poorly, speaking over her, talking down to her, and it, it, it was it was gross. It was sexist, not allowing her to engage in the same conversation that he and Shannon would have. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do we think about the, these shows in general for overall discourse? Like, what are, what is your thoughts on that? Well, there's a lot of people who have opinions about uh, hot take sports shows and people giving ridiculous sports takes. To be frank, they're talking about sports. Um, if they're not intentionally offending any group of people, then I have no problem with them. You know, the absurd takes that that Skip has about LeBron, or I mean, even some of the crazy stuff that happened with, with Shannon, maybe recording a conversation with a player, whether that was coordinated or not. That's that's entertainment. That's television. It's when Skip used his platform to bully another woman. There, that's when I have a problem, and that's toxic. And I don't think that's necessary to the hot debate topic that a format that exists. I, I mean, I, I tend to agree, and I also it's it's a tough conversation for me though because I think Steve was setting it up earlier that like 
we are pretty nasty to each other. I think a lot of people are in, in media in general. And there's a level of, you know, just I, I, I hate saying this, but it's like it's what guys do. Well, I, I think I believe there's a fine line. And I'll give you an example. Uh, our yeah. producers on every show I've ever done get the crap beat out of them, right? They do. We, it, they're just, they, they are punching bags. They can fight back. We had a female producer, Chrissy, who's now down the road at VSIN, and we treated her the same way. I thought that's what you do, right? Hey, that's me. that means you've arrived and you're part of the show. And we actually did get a call from a woman who thought we were just ridiculously condescending and dismissive of Chrissy. And it's like, I can tell you, anyone who's listened, Chrissy got the gold treatment. Ari is beaten every day. So I think that's there's a fine line. It's like you want women in Sports Talk Radio. Maybe the overall theme is maybe we could all, the guys could all be a little less uh, dismissive and condescending to each other. Like, do we change what we do? Or is that an insult to women who are coming into the realm? We were just last week talking about your someone being you, your body odor. Yes. <laughs> last week, Steve, someone said you look like stink. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, so I think that there's. I think that there is a nuance about how you rip on someone and potentially a woman um, that relates to something that's going to give a good, healthy ribbing to one another. And I think that people just don't know what those boundaries are, per se. And I think it's up to women because they are the group that will be offended by some of the things a, a man might say or do who get to define what that looks like. And men... As much as men, oh, we get to, we say these things. These, there's certain things that you're not going to say to another guy. You know, there's an episode of Seinfeld where there's guys ripping on each other, and uh, the George Costanza ripping with another guy in the office, and then George crosses the, the line and says, "I had sex with your wife," and then everyone stops and go like, <laughs> whoa. Hey, "Dude, whoa, his wife has cancer." You know, no, no she's, <laughs> in a, she's in a coma. You can't say when she's in a coma. A coma, yeah, my great. bad. Yeah, that's coma. Good. It's a great, it's a great reference. I love it. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's certain. It's, we know as guys we have some unwritten code as to how far we can go. And I think that when we're inviting women, we're inviting I'm, I'm, I, you know, of different groups of ethnic ethnicities to the group, you kind of got to know, like, what's good and what's not. Yeah. Uh, Barstool has taken, you know, what we do on sports radio to another level. It may be a level that people think, some people think it's disgusting. Others think it's the greatest thing ever. They're making tons of money. I saw Lisa Guerrero commenting on, some rape jokes that uh, Portnoy has made in the past. And Portnoy's like, hey, it's a joke. It's a funny joke. I do wonder, though, what's coming up here since Barstool's pulling a little stunt with this name, image, likeness thing and backing college athletes. And I wonder what happens on college campuses where the female athletes are backed by Barstool and Portnoy's kind of sticking to his thing like, hey, rape jokes can be funny. Yeah, I mean, he, he said that he's uncancelable. So I think that we're going to have to see how far Portnoy can go. I mean, he is, you know, a lot of sports, women's sports journalists hate the guy. And for good reason, some of the gross things he said to and about women. But he also, on his platform, they had a, a, an inward podcast. Um, so he's just been offensive to all groups. And the fact that this is the position of having a partnership with Major League Baseball, I feel is very problematic, attempting to appeal to a certain segment of really jerkish, uh, boorish guys and Major League Baseball feeling like they need to have a partnership with that. And also having you know, relationships with, with sports gaming. And I think that, it's, okay, what, what, are we, what are we looking at? You know, we already have an athlete who's, who's ex-Vander Kane saying that he says the things about professional gambling on games. We don't need to have a site that we can just say and do whatever we want uh, in terms of that being a way that we're exhibiting sports media. I think that this is a bad message. Xavier Pope is with us here on this Thursday at Silver Sevens. All right, 
Uh, baseball is doing a Field of Dreams deal, and I love that people are pointing out the hypocrisy because I remember I was talking about it at the time when baseball pulled out of Georgia, the All-Star game was out because of the uh, the voting changes there. Like, this is going to open a Pandora's box, and the leadership of Major League Baseball is so knee-jerk, they're going to get hit with this down the road. And now we've got this Field of Dream game uh, tonight, and a lot of people are pointing out, like, well, if you weren't going to play an All-Star game in Georgia, why are you in Iowa? I, I was one of the first people that said it. Um, and and this that's actually the next episode of Suit Up News that's coming up on my timeline, at Xavier Public, hashtag Suit Up News. Is I am, you, you have in Georgia the SB202, that was the Senate Bill 202, was, was signed into law March 25th. Um, SF413, um, that was signed into law in Iowa two weeks earlier than that. And so we have the state that leads presidential elections, and we see that a predictive outcome who potentially might be the next president getting out and being the, one of the first states to, to double down on the big lie and voter suppression. And in major league baseball, if this state choose to have a game in that place in segregation era, era uniforms, um, it sends a really bad message. And it also shows some hypocrisy that uh, we all know that Iowa is a Republican-leaning state, leaning red. So it's okay to voter suppression to happen if it's going to be the, the outcome is going to be decided anyway. Um, I think it, 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 it seems hypocritical. It seems tone deaf, but it also seems to be another way of just letting certain things now slide after a while, and we're letting some issues that creep in that could potentially harm our democracy. That's the bigger issue for me, and I think it, I think Major Baseball would be right to be called out for it. All right, I'm going to switch to a topic from out of left field, pun intended. Uh, Adam sent me a note today, Xavier, about the uh, Malice in the Palace documentary, and uh, yeah. I don't know, you didn't sound fired up. I, I didn't think you sounded fired up, Adam, and I know you're waiting for me to see it. Xavier, I know you watched it, and you were like, "Nah, it was okay. Yeah, I mean, it, they made a big deal out of it, but I don't think that it was, no, there was nowhere near as good uh, as The Last Dance in terms of production quality, the editing. I know there was only one episode that I saw, but I just felt like it was dragged out in the beginning talking about where the Pacers got to where they, where they were. But then it skipped over about a three years of their development as a team and how they were, they were built. And then it just completely ignores what, how the Detroit Pistons were built to get to that point. And then they kind of whiz by, have Reggie Miller in the dark. It, it, it slows down footage footage in, one, in, in, in terms of the, the, the bottle being thrown, and then it doesn't it, it rushes through the end. It was just really the pace was uneven. I wasn't really impressed by it, honestly. The crazy Donahue part is, too, by the way, guys, they put some Donahue in it. Yeah, they, well, he was he was refing that game, which is crazy. Oh, wow. uh, I I forgot about that. Uh, it also like after I watched it, I said all this was was like it, it was a promo video for how the Pacers got screwed out of winning the NBA title that year, and then yeah. I saw Jermaine O'Neal is the producer. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Now, listen, it was still good. I'm glad I watched it. Um, I'm, I've always been sympathetic to the players in there, and you come out even more sympathetic to the player side, I think. But uh, it could have been so much better, and I feel like not enough time on the fight, way too much time on the Pacers, and how great they were. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And, and, and how much he hated Ron Artest. Yes. <laughs> that was, you know, and, uh, I just, and he, his bitterness and all of that, and I just felt like, it just was too heavy-handed on the Pacers, not enough on the Pistons, not enough around what that meant for the NBA. I mean, they showed that one of those final scores, it was like no team passed 70 in that in the clinching game. 
and what that meant for the NBA and the context of how that's changed for now. Like, give me that, give me the, give me that stuff. That's the, that is the meat that talks about what was happening in the NBA at that time and how it was impacting the future. They kind of briefly talk, talk about the dress code, but you can't just put that in the context of just those two teams with Allen Iverson and all the other things that was happening in the sport at the time. I just felt that it was incredibly uneven, kind of narrow and weird spot. Uh, let's close on this one. Something you did love, I saw on uh, Twitter, social media, was the Ernie Johnson speech to uh, the Alabama football team. Why'd you like it? I loved it because Ernie, it just shows how great a, a person Ernie Johnson is. He continues to prove that over and over again, getting through his own health challenges and then bringing on children, he and his wife with multiple children, health challenges of their own, and how that, that kid, what he, who he is as a person, giving value to a child, and that child giving value to a sports program. And how any, and it just shows that any person, no matter where they're from, no matter what challenges they face, can make a difference in the lives of people. And that's what he wants to impart on. Everybody has, everyone matters. And if you give people love and you give inspiration, there's no telling what can be done individually and collectively. And it just shows what amazing guy Ernie Johnson is. And I just absolutely loved it. If you haven't watched it yet, guys, I absolutely thoroughly recommend those that are listening to watch it. Xavier, one more time, tell people about Suit Up News. Suit Up News, two minutes, 20 seconds, the micro news, opinion, and analysis on sports, politics, and trending topics that matter. Go to hashtag Xavier, go to hashtag Suit Up News, and be on Twitter at Xavier Pope, E-X-A-V-I-E-R-P-O-P-E. You are awesome. Appreciate your flexibility. We'll talk to you. Love y'all. Holla. There he is. Love you. Love you. Holla. I, I can't use holla. I, I am going to watch the documentary because I was doing sports radio at the time. And, sure. I, and I know I was one of the very few. And I'm not sure if you were on that show yet. Uh, but I know I was one of the very few who was like, the players are the bad guys. I remember saying over and over again, that fat meatball dude who ran on the court and was approaching Jermaine O'Neal should have had his freaking cave. Uh, I'm sorry, his skull caved in. Oh, I can't believe they took it that light. He should have been punched to the ground, and then law enforcement should come out and friggin' tased him into oblivion. Run on the court! You'll hate him even more after the documentary. Oh, and is he a victim somehow? He thinks so. Oh, and, you're and lucky you're not in jail! I'll tell you, you have who, half a skull! I'll tell you who you'll really hate. Run on the floor. Who you'll really hate is the beer thrower. That the cop thrower? Yeah. Uh, John what? Do you remember his name? Green? John Green, yep. The, How one are these guys? One of the worst people I've Neither ever one has served time for anything else since? That's a good point. They, they didn't go deep enough into any of this. Oh, it's my also God. very That's short. what the focus is on is fan misbehavior and the risk that athletes are now in, and it started then. Those Fans think this is make-believe. I'm going to throw a cup at – you're going to throw a cup at me? You're going to do that at a bar? The focus is how the Pacers were going to win the title oh, that year. Oh, what a joke. And they didn't get to win the championship. Uh, some fantasy football breakdown on the way back and also uh, latest update on what's going on in the world of real estate. Dustin DeHart. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's time to Trust Us. Presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Call him today at 577-2600. that time of the week. Trust Us. We'll get back to fantasy football, a little real estate as well. Dustin DeHart is in with us. Dustin, can you believe that we are just a few weeks away from starting to draft for fantasy football? I, I cannot, and I, I need to catch up because I haven't done much prep. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. <laughs> well, here's your primers. Uh, each week we'll go through some different positions, yeah. and we'll break them down, and uh, we'll also track the development on the injury front. 
So, uh, first of all, I wanted to talk a little receiver today. And uh, yeah. CBS Sports has a, a good story up about breakout dudes at receiver. Uh, some in the group include Jerry Judy with the Broncos, mm-hmm. second-year player, Curtis Samuel, who's moved on to football team, and Mike Williams with the L.A. Chargers. Yeah. You got negatives, well, positives on any of those guys? Yeah. Well, I've got Jerry Judy as a uh, keeper in my main league, so I uh, I do hope that he becomes a sleeper. Look, he had some drops last year. I you know, quarterback situations is a little shaky there. I, I think Drew Locke steps it up this year, and you know you've got uh, Bridgewater. Uh, I don't know who. Do we know who's the starter yet? Or are they still working that out? They're still working on it. So uh, yeah. Locke's going to get the start in the first preseason game. I think Bridgewater's set right. for the second. I actually on Judy, I think it's interesting. Does it matter if they go with the Riverboat Gambler? In Drew Locke, mm-hmm. or would you rather have Bridgewater out there? I actually think I'd, for fantasy purposes, I'd rather have Locke out there. For real life purposes, yeah. I'd rather have Bridgewater. But Locke's kind of interesting in the fact yeah. that he makes so many mistakes at times. They're always coming from behind and having to throw. So it's weird, yeah. but Jerry Judy may actually have better numbers with Locke out there. Yeah, and I think uh, Drew Locke's going to pick it up a little this year. I mean, I don't think he's going to be quite as bad as last year. And Jerry Judy's talented, so... You know, I think, he, uh, yeah, he's a definite sleeper, and I'm hoping he does well because I have him on my team already. Yeah, I think Curtis Samuel is really interesting because he's also a guy who may get some carries out of the backfield. He had 41 carries last year. He also had 77 catches. Not a lot of yards, but I could see him being a big part of uh, football team's offense. And I, I'm not objective on Mike Williams. I have Mike Williams every year as a former top 10 pick. Yeah. He's a monster at 6'5". He's a high point guy. Really, with him, it's a matter of staying healthy because, yeah. God Almighty, we know that Justin Herbert can throw the deep ball. So Mike Williams, if healthy, should put up big numbers, but that's the big question. Yeah, and I feel like he's on the sleeper list every year, too, for whatever reason. So, yeah, but uh, Curtis Samuel, man, he didn't he have like a stretch last year, like six weeks of just monster numbers? You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, he can put that up in his new team. But, yeah, I mean, those are three good sleepers. You know, uh, I think they're all valid. You know, one of them is probably going to be in the top ten, in my opinion. And and I was going to say, Dustin, it also depends on if you're in a regular league or PPR because a guy like Samuel would be massive in a PPR. More sleepers and, you know, a real interesting one for a breakout. And he had a big year last year with 70 catches and 1075 and 11 touchdowns. Does A.J. Brown with the Titans stay about the same or does he get that much better because Julio Jones is around now? Yeah, that's interesting, right? So, I mean, he's going to have less, you know, people on him. So, I think, uh, you know, Julio Jones is going to open up the field for him. So, yeah, I think he has a great year. Um, Much better than last year. I I don't know. I mean, again, there's another mouth to be fed there and a big mouth. But uh, he's very talented. And, yeah, I I think he has a great year. Cowboys sitch because Samari Cooper is coming off ankle surgery. Some people are down Mm -hmm. on him. And you wonder if that means there's an opening for C.D. Lamb, who had a really good rookie season with 74 catches and 935 mm-hmm. yardage and six touchdowns. I wonder if C.D. Lamb – and keep in mind, none of this or very little of it was with Dak Prescott. So I would say of all the guys who right. you know I've seen on the breakout list, C.D. Lamb is a guy who should break out, but he's also going to be very coveted. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a talented group of receivers. Uh, that were drafted, um, and he was one of them. So, yeah, again, I, you know, you have to look at Dak. Is he going to be ready to go and 100% healthy? If he is, then I could see the CD, CD, CD Lamb tearing it up this year for sure. Dustin Hart's with you know, us. 
Nova Home Loans. Yeah, Dustin. I'll tell you, I was going to say, I know it's not a sleeper. And I'm not going out of a limb here, uh, Steve, but Devontae Adams, man, I, I just have this feeling like Aaron Rodgers is just going to have something to prove, and those two are going to just put up just some crazy numbers. Like, I'm just looking at, like, ESPN's mock draft sheet, you know, and, like, you know, number one and number two, okay, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, but, boy, I, if – if I'm number three and Devontae Adams is still there, man, I might pull the trigger on him. Like Saquon Barkley, he's burned me two times in a year or two times last year. You know, they would have Travis Kelsey four, you know, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott. I, I just, you know, I, I think I would draft Devontae Adams three and sleep like a baby. I just think he they are going to put up some monster numbers this year. I could buy it. Like you said. Yeah. A-Rodg, Max Motivated, uh, yeah. Devontae Adams going into his free agent season, so he's going to yeah. want to have a monster season. Now, he has had you know an injury bug here and there, but if he stays healthy, yeah. it should be a, a massive, massive season. Some yeah. injury concerns close to home, and this may screw up my mm-hmm. strategy, and I'll give you my strategy now, and anyone who's, who's in leagues with me, especially mm-hmm. auction leagues, expect me to make a run at <laughs> one of the big tight ends because I am sick and tired of having – you know, my rotation of 48 catch, you know, 500 yard, three touchdown yeah. tight ends. The difference that Waller and a healthy Kittle and Kelsey make, I'm starting to think it's worth it. I've never been a draft a guy high at tight end, but mm-hmm. I'm in. But here's the thing. Is Waller going to be ready to go at the beginning of the season? We have no idea what the injury is. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of my tight end strategy? I can't even remember the leagues I was in with you last year. What's your approach on tight ends? Do you go gaga over the top three guys? Um, I've done it before I, and I've done really well and I've done it before and got burnt. I think, you know, last year I had Kittle and not, you know, it's obviously uh, concerns. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm kind of the same mode, you know, it's, it's just really hard to draft the tight end in that first round. Cause you're just scrambling for the next positions. You know what I mean? Cause then what do you do? Well, if you go for a receiver and then, you know, you know, round three comes and then there's no really good running back. So, oh, I guess I got another receiver. Next thing you know, you know, you're in the round four, round five with no running back. So it's just, it's tough, but it can work out, especially if you get lucky with those running backs later in the rounds or, you know, obviously you, you know, you work the waiver wire well. It, it can win you the league, but it also can backfire. That's for sure. Are you starting to see things slow down a little bit on the high end market the last month or so? Um, we have, yeah, and it's because the high-end market just went completely out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got these California buyers, Steve, that were just paying absurd numbers. You know, for like, I had a real estate agent tell me, you know, there's a nice house in Summerlin, you know, and it, you know, typically, you know, he told me about it, it was whatever, three thousand square feet, you know, over by Summerlin Mall, you know, very, very, you know, very upgraded, perfect, turnkey, you know, it's but in one story. And then the cop before it's, you know, was, uh, or excuse me, you know, you normally think it's about seven fifty eight hundred thousand, and literally some California buyer scooped it up for one point one million. It was crazy. So, you know, so basically the guy next door said, "Well, geez, I'll sell mine for one point two, and he got that. So, th- those kind of stories are what's going to really start, you know, hampering down on that luxury market. But the whole market in general right now, Steve, is kind of cooling off for mm. lack of better words it's not going i mean it, it, and take that in perspective meaning you know two months ago it, it's just literally insane i mean you, there was 40 offers on every house if you didn't overbid by 20 grand you didn't even get your offer accepted well our supply has actually gone up 50 percent the last two months just went up 25 percent last month 
um, to, you know, sales have gone down a little bit. Uh, so, you know, we are, again, though, we hit a property median sales price record of 405 last month. But I think going into the, uh, the end of the year, we're going to really see things start to cool off a little bit. Um, you know, we're not going to get to a buyer's market anytime soon. We probably need about 8,000 more homes for that. But it's it's going to open up open up opportunities for people that really were shut out of this market where now you can go buy a house, you know, without 25 offers, not overbid and have appraisal contingencies and actually have a chance of buying a house. So it's it's very needed in this market. And, yeah, the luxury market just went insane and it's starting to cool off as well. Five, seven, seven, twenty six hundred is the number. It's five, seven, seven, two, six, zero, zero. Any of your real estate refi needs, Dustin DeHart and Noah Homeowns. The folks to uh, hit uh, what's going on lately with the uh, mortgage tune-ups yeah it's just look rates are the lowest they've been in about six months so right when we thought you know the mortgage tune-ups were kind of cooling off they've come roaring back uh literally i'm refinancing people that i did last year you know to be maybe they did a cash out refinance had a little higher rate we're getting that rate lowered um you know some people do still need cash out to pay off debts and that that really can save people in a financial mess mess and uh, it's, you know, something that you can literally just call us up. You know that, Steve. It's about 10-minute conversation. See if we can save you some money. And, look, if I can't, I'm going to be the first one to tell you, you don't need to do anything. Uh, last one. And this is also important to get Dustin on the horn mm-hmm. and get the information. 577-2600 is the number. Uh, headline, we've covered, we've kind of been looking ahead to this. Uh, you know, we knew it was going to happen at some point. Headline from MarketWatch says, mortgage forbearance is about to end for millions of Americans. Here's why that's good news for home buyers." Is that misleading right. or is that true? A bit. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, you, you tell me uh, so, that all the time about forbearance being this like savior and all of a sudden there's going to be all these houses flooding the market. And you've told us multiple times yeah. like that may not be the yeah. case. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a flood of houses on the market. But here, here's here's the I guess the theory behind why they're saying this is. Look, there are people that the people that are still in forbearance likely still need it, right? Because they are missing their payments for a reason because of job loss, some other, some type of financial stress. And now they have to start making those payments. Well, if they can't, well, look, most people, if not everybody, has equity right now. So you're not going to let your home go to foreclosure like the last mortgage crisis. Right. I mean, that's why we got into the mess we did. No one had equity, so they everybody let their house go. So they're going to call up a local real estate agent and sell their house. Right. They may have 60, 80, 100, who who knows, uh, amount of dollars in equity. And then, you know, pocket that in the bank and go go rent a house for a while until they can get their feet back under them. Um, So that could create a little more inventory for us. But I again, I don't think it's going to be a flood of inventory. But in a little bit of inventory right now, we need, and that could help us a little bit. Dustin, that was awesome. Uh, again, 577-2600 is the number. Get uh, Dustin or anyone else at Nova Home Loans on the horn as quickly as you can. Uh, fix up your housing situation. Dustin, thank you. We appreciate All it. Right. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Trust Us is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Call today at 577-2600 to learn how to purchase a home with $20,000 in down payment assistance. Dial up Dustin now, 577-2600.